This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. I'm very happy today because my husband and I are now celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary. And I thought it would be fun if you would be willing to be on the show with me. And you will understand later when I describe more about his personality, he decided, oh, no, I'm not going to be on the show because my husband does not like public speaking. However, he did agree for me to talk to him a little bit, interview him a little bit, and then to share some of what he thinks are the secrets to the success of 35 years of our marriage together. So today I'm going to share a lot about what my husband thinks is the success formula. And I'll also add in a few words that give my little commentary as well. So my husband, Greg, said that number one, he really believes that it's the Holy Spirit that is that central cord or the single cord strand that holds us together. And that's based on Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter. And that was one of the Bible verses, sets of verses that was read in our wedding. And I will say this, and I will read that also later in today's show. When you think about the three-strand cord that's not quickly broken, if God is that central cord, that strong cord in your marriage, my husband said, that's what makes the difference, that Holy Spirit of God as a central cord. Secondly, he said that he believed that some similarities in our backgrounds also have facilitated our success. And I'll have you to know that when we were dating each other or thinking of getting married, I don't think either one of us was necessarily aware of the specific similarities, which we will share now. We kind of discovered it as we were in the marriage and got to know each other's families a little bit more. So one of the things that my husband says is particularly important is that we both had fathers who were the spiritual heads of their households. And both of us had a deep love and respect for our fathers. So even though I was probably closer to my father and he was probably closer to his mother, we both still had the love and respect for our fathers. Both of our fathers were also well-respected in their communities. In my husband Greg's case, his father was in the military and had reached the rank of a sergeant major, which is an E-9. That is the highest military rank that an enlisted man can reach. And he was a command sergeant major, which was a big deal back in the day when he was serving in those capacities back in the 50s and in the 60s in Berlin, which is where my husband grew up. So in this role, his father had lots of friends in high places. He knew many general officers. He knew many high-placed German citizens. 
in those growing up years overseas. Later on, when the family moved back to the United States, and when my husband was in junior high school at that point, his father also became a leader in the church and was respected deeply by the church members as well. In my case, I would say that my father was extremely respected at work also. No matter where I went, people who worked with my father, they would always stop and say how much they really liked him, how much they respected him, how he helped them. And it was just a joy. It was not a situation where, oh, you have this father that nobody has nothing to say. They just spontaneously let me know what a difference my father made in their lives. And also at his churches as well, people respected him. And we'll say a little bit more about that for both of our fathers. But also in my home, and this is an additional piece I'm adding, I remember seeing my mother's respect for my father, which I know she also learned from her mother, my maternal grandmother, in small things. For example, when my mother would cook dinner, my father was the first person served his food. Then she served the children, and then she served herself. I think her way of thinking, my father was the primary provider for the family, even though my mother worked. And this was acknowledging him as the head of the household and as the primary provider. She made sure to provide for him first with the food. So that's also a message, at least, that I think was important to me and my home concerning you know, my father. Both fathers also were spiritual leaders in their churches, and my husband's father was an adult Bible school teacher for the Sunday school for years. Every Sunday, he taught the adult Sunday school class, and he spent hours preparing and studying for the Sunday school class. Similarly, my father for years taught the adult Sunday school class in church and He would study for hours on end. I can remember even in childhood, on Saturdays in particular, which would be his day off, he would study from early morning until late in the evening. And I often studied with him, which is how I got my grounding in the scriptures as well. My husband's father was a deacon in the church, and so he had a significant position of leadership leading families and leading in the business meeting for the church that his family belonged to. My father was a treasurer in the church, and that was a position of significant responsibility. And later on, he also became an elder in the church as well. And when I would go home to visit my father's home church, even after he had moved to a different church from the one that I grew up in, people always stopped and told me again what a profound difference my father made in their lives and how much they loved him. I felt so much that I was sharing my father with other people, and I didn't mind doing that because there truly was enough love to go around uh, in that situation. So we both had these significant fathers who were the spiritual heads of their households and who were respected by their respective communities. We were also, my husband and I, both trusted advisors and leaders in our own families. I am the oldest child of four. He is the second born of three, 
And he's really been in three positions because he's the oldest boy. He was the baby for a long time until his youngest brother came along later in his life. He was on his way to college pretty much by the time the youngest came along. So he became the middle child at that point. So he's held a lot of different positions. But in his family, which had a much more patriarchal structure than mine, even though we both had patriarchal families in many ways, in his case, being the firstborn son carried a lot of responsibility that had him also as a leader in his family. And even though we were both trusted advisors to our families in general, we both were especially trusted advisors to our fathers. Our fathers talked to us about subjects and situations and decisions that they didn't even talk to the other siblings about. So both of us had that special connection and relationship as well. When I asked my husband what impact he thought that this father background had on our marriage, he says he believes that we both believed and saw the value of having the husband as a spiritual leader of the home. And because of that, it's never been an issue in my mind that my husband would be the spiritual leader in the home. It was not anything that I resisted. I thought that this was the normal order of things, and I was happy to be in that position. And I know for a lot of women, this is an area of contention, an area of concern, and I see it as God's provision. As Since I had such positive views of it growing up, I had no reason to be concerned over it or to resist it in any way. He also says he believes that this similarity between our fathers also gave both of us a foundation in biblical teaching, and both of our fathers were just profound role models of studying and understanding the Word of God. Thirdly, my husband said, and this emanates out of this father background as well, we both have a love for the Word of God. Not only do we know it, not only do we study it, we also have a love for it. And the Word of God orients our lives. It provides direction and answers questions in our lives. Another element, number four, that my husband thought was really important was that we both come from multicultural backgrounds. In Greg's case, he grew up in Germany, as I mentioned. He grew up in Berlin. So he had lots of international experiences. He was growing up in a foreign country. He's surrounded by a different language. And he had a German babysitter who also exposed them to many different experiences while he was living in Germany. He also had the opportunity to watch his parents entertain and have a variety of people into their home, military people, civilian people who were Germans as well as American military. And these would be special dinners with all kinds of international and unique food and customs. And so he was exposed to all of that from really from the time he was a young child through junior high for sure. In my case, my early years were spent in Baltimore and the environments that I lived in were predominantly Black and also Jewish. In Baltimore, neighborhoods in the city 
were really according to different ethnic groups. So you had Little Italy, you had Chinatown, you had Jewish neighborhoods, you had Black neighborhoods, and they were very much in their own enclaves in a lot of ways. However, my environment was still multicultural because there was not forced busing at the time that I went to school. However, periodically, there would be opportunities that would arise for students who were excellent in their academic studies. And when one of those opportunities came along, I actually pursued it and had the chance to go to the Jewish school, which was very helpful to me in providing a baseline of great education. And being at the Jewish school was also useful from a spiritual point of view, because I got to see how modern day Jewish people lived out their faith, how they celebrated the Jewish holidays. And it just enriched my understanding of what was also in the Bible and what we were studying every week in church also. So I found that to be a very enriching experience. And just to talk to people, because most of my colleagues, their parents came from other countries. So my Jewish colleagues the majority of them were first-generation Americans. So they had family members who came from Germany, who came from Russia, and from other places. So again, there would be a cultural exchange just in seeing how they lived life and what they did and what was important to them. When my husband moved to the United States from Germany, and as I mentioned, he was in junior high school at that time, he was in a predominantly white environment in Washington state. And some of the ethnic groups that he interfaced with were Filipino people and Samoan people. So that gave him another window on people of different backgrounds with different customs and different foods and to have that exposure as well. Later, when I went to the University of Maryland for college, University of Maryland was a multi-ethnic environment. There were people from all over the country, people from all different ethnic backgrounds at the University of Maryland. So that, of course, was a broadening experience as well. And then later, when I went to the University of Connecticut, in that context, and particularly at the graduate school, there were very, very few Black people at all at the university at the time. And in the psychology department, there were no African-American students or professors. There was one Nigerian man who was studying experimental psychology. So we were in different disciplines and we rarely saw one another, but he and I were the only two black people at all in the whole psychology building at that point in time. So the majority of my closest friends were international students. And my closest ones came from India, Pakistan, the Middle East, and mainland China. Those were my closest friends when I was in graduate school. So my husband said that because we both had these multicultural and diverse backgrounds, that we learned to succeed in diverse settings. We learned to be flexible and open and not very dogmatic about the way we see the world and about what we might even believe about some things. We have strongly held beliefs, but we're willing to listen to others. We're willing to learn from others and to acknowledge multiple and different ways of doing things. And that's certainly very different from growing up only in a small town in the United States and never traveling anywhere else or seeing anything else 
or interacting with people from other places and other backgrounds. And he would further say that in our married life, and particularly in our early married life, we therefore attended all kinds of churches, depending on where we were located. Some of the churches were predominantly white, some were predominantly black, some were mixed race churches in all different places. And all of those church settings were used by God in our lives. And for the most part, the churches we went to prior to moving to Colorado were predominantly either multicultural or predominantly white churches because of where we were living at the time. When we moved to Colorado, we were in a predominantly white environment most of the time. And back then, there if you could go more than two weeks and never see another Black person. So we made a very conscious decision to attend a predominantly Black church, because that was really the only time in the week when we saw other Black people in our environment. That's not true anymore in Colorado. You really can't go a day now without seeing someone else who's also an African-American person, but that's not how it was more than 30 years ago. And our church has also become increasingly more and more multicultural, which we definitely support as well. Later on, we also both then lived in Germany as part of my husband's military assignment. And so we were living in Wiesbaden while I was working in Frankfurt. My husband worked in Wiesbaden, and then he later also worked in Frankfurt. So again, we're around diverse people and cultures. And I remember that when we were in Germany, one of the wives of our social circle and group who was married to a military colleague, she was from France. And so one of my favorite languages, foreign languages, is French. So I spent a lot of time translating things for her and communicating with her, going back and forth between French, German, and English. And then when we were in Alabama, one of the wives in our group was from North Africa, and she spoke French. And so therefore, again, I was translating and helping her to understand what was going on in the environment. So again, the multicultural aspect continued and our lives were enriched. And when we lived in Alabama, our next door neighbors who were also military, they had come over and were being trained in the American military school and they were from Israel. And so we had an Israeli couple living next door to us when we lived in Alabama. And that was also fun. And we had a chance to enjoy their little girl, their daughter, who took her first steps at our house. So it was a good exchange having them as neighbors as well. Fifthly, I would say that my husband mentioned to me that our different personalities that that also was a success factor and has been a success factor in the 35 years of our marriage. So I would describe myself as a people person and very extroverted. And my husband would be more of an introvert. And he's a little bit more on the techie side than I am. And one of the things that he would say is that because we have different personalities and to some extent different core interest, we don't get in each other's way. We're not stepping on each other's toes. For example, I will not be fighting with him on fixing the computer or fixing anything technical or looking up technical information. Yet my husband has tremendous and great patience with things that are technical. 
just last night, he was fixing my ring light for me because it had gotten out of whack. I didn't have the patience to fool with it. He took it. He figured out what needed to happen with it. And in five minutes, it was back to normal. Similarly, if anything goes wrong with the computer, that's his domain. He fixes it, not me. Or he's the one that thinks about where do we need flashlights in the house for emergencies and things of that sort. And also his hobby of photography, because he's a prosumer photographer and it's at such a high level, it requires a lot of technical equipment, equipment I wouldn't have the patience for because you have to do your own settings and and calculate things. And I would quickly tire of that. I'd rather just do a point and shoot and be done with it. However, he is very good with all of that. Now, on the other hand, I have a lot of patience with people, including people who are struggling, people who may have mental health challenges or other challenges, and I can spend hours with them and talking to them about whatever they might need to talk about. My husband probably would have a five-minute conversation and he'd be done with that. So we both have our gifts. We both have our callings. And together, we cover what I would say more of the waterfront because of those differences. So that would be a success factor as well, is having the differences in our lives. My husband also, Greg, said that both of us being professional people was a help. And he says, I was certainly not a typical housewife. And I would say, I probably wouldn't use the word housewife to describe myself at all. Yes, I am a wife. And yes, I have a house. However, in many ways, both of us have in our lives been professional people. And we have both been career-oriented professionals. Since we are both professional people, my husband would say that we have combined circles of influence. He has a circle of influence. I have a circle of influence. There's a little bit of an overlap between the two, but because we're in these two different circles, it means that we get to influence more people and more people get to influence us. And he considers that certainly a bonus and that we're both professionals. I also think, and he's said this many times in the past, that with both of us being active duty army officers, both of us being in the military, he appreciated that because he knew that I understood military life. I understood the commitments that he had to make and what was required of him. And a lot of military wives don't understand that. They don't understand the absences. They don't understand the long hours and many of the other variables. However, because I also lived it, I did understand it, and I appreciated the sacrifice that he had to make. So that was never anything that I was complaining about because I understood those dynamics. Also, because of being a professional person with a wide range of experiences and skills and responsibilities, I also was able to be quite independent which was necessary for the times that he was often away uh, with the military. And a lot of times spouses, when they remain at home, they might not know how to drive. They may not know how to balance checkbooks or just basic life skills. And that was certainly not the case for me. I, I mean, we got married late in life. We were both in our 30s. I had purchased a home and had been running my life for years and he had been doing the same. So therefore we were both 
able to live alone and had lived alone for many years already by the time that we got married. The seventh thing my husband was saying that common goals and interests are also a big and important part in our success. Clearly, we both have a spiritual core and a center, and we both live our lives as unto God. That's really important. We're both very family-oriented. I probably think about doing things with and for the family on a more ongoing basis than my husband. And pre-COVID, I visited my family on the East Coast quite frequently. He might visit less frequently, but he doesn't care any less. So far as visiting his family on the West Coast, we both care about our families. And we're also both very career-minded as well. Number eight, he would say that we like similar things and activities. And one of the things we both enjoy is having fun and artistic expression in fashion. Unlike most men, my husband is very, very good in selecting his own clothing. I really don't even get involved in selecting things for him because he has an eye for fashion. And so one of his nicknames that I call him is GQ because he could be on the cover of GQ many times. He has all kinds of suits. He has all kinds of ties and pocket squares and special shoes, special belt, all the accessories, fancy shirts, all of that. He loves that. He enjoys it. He likes mixing it up in his own unique way. So I would say his style is somewhat traditional, but with a major flair. It's a flair to it. So he couldn't just walk into Brooks Brothers and buy a suit off the rack there. That would be too boring for him. So he buys things with a bit more of a flair to them, and he adds his own flair on top of it. And influence with a little bit of an Italian accent is what I would say. So he's very, very good at that. He has his own unique style and enjoys that. I also like to have fun with fashion, too. And I have a sort of a basic traditional palette. However, it definitely has a big flair on top of it as well, because I really enjoy international clothing, clothes from other cultures and countries, especially West African countries, such as Nigeria and Ghana and Togo and some of the French-speaking countries also in West Africa. And I really like unique jewelry from all over the world that is very expressive in the kinds of pieces, statement pieces, unique pieces in that sense. And I'm inclined to wear clothing from the Native American cultures because that celebrates also a part of my own heritage and history. So it's not unusual for me to wear Native American jewelry or Native American inspired clothing. And then sometimes I'll just go outside the box I could show up at work with an East Indian sari on, and that would be normal for me. So we both like to have fun uh, with uh, fashion in that sense. Number nine, Greg says that our commitment to health and a healthy lifestyle is something that's a success factor and that we both share. We both love gourmet health food, and I have learned to become a gourmet health food cook. And we both recognize that there were serious medical problems in our families of origin. And his father had a quadruple bypass surgery, which required his father and his mother to change their diets significantly as a result of that. And on both sides of our families, mine and his, 
We both have cancer in the family. In my family, there's also heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and all of these other things. So we're very careful with our food, our food choices, and we make things that maybe weren't traditional from our own ethnic background and culture or the regions where we were raised and where we grew up. Number 10, lifelong learners. Both of us are lifelong learners. We enjoy learning. We're willing to grow. We have teachable spirits. We're not just fixed into one place. We're always looking to expand and to move forward in a unique and special way. And we both share that. I think it would be hard to be a forward-thinking person and a continual learner as I am and to have a spouse that did not appreciate that. And so we both appreciate that, which is a great thing. It's a place where we meet and a place where we join together. We also each had some words that characterize some aspects of the 35 years that we have together. And so first I will share Greg's list of words. So Greg said that the 35 years have been challenging, full of new scenarios and new experiences full of growth activities, requiring creativity, and blessed by good friends and established relationships. I said that it's been a learning journey, and we have been committed, persevering, sharing, caring, dedicated, spiritually directed, loyal, and faithful. So those are the words that I would use to describe the journey in part. So I'll close today with that set of scriptures that I mentioned at the beginning that means so much to us and which I've shared with you before. And I was the person in planning the wedding who selected the scriptures for our wedding. And even at the time, I had no idea how significant and how important these would be over the course of our marriage and our lifetime. However, we come back to them regularly. So Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, verses 9 through 12, and it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So my husband and I have enjoyed the benefit of having the threefold cord, the two of us together, joined and cemented together by God and his Holy Spirit as that third cord that entwines us all together. We have also benefited from recognizing and realizing and living out the reality that two indeed are better than one. And we've kept each other warm over the years and lifted each other up so that we did not fall, or that if we did fall, we could get back up quickly 
and with help and assistance. We have been partners to each other, and we have been a delight in each other's lives. And I hope that even at our advanced ages, that God would grant us even 35 more years together. And I want to thank my husband, Greg, for being willing to be at least interviewed by me so I could share with you some of his thoughts about what it has taken to get to this 35-year mark. And I would say to you, my husband rarely makes a public appearance where speaking is involved. And so for him to just share his thoughts and ideas is a great accomplishment, and I appreciate it. I hope you take away something that you can use for your marriage, because as a marketplace ministry leader, your spouse is also important to your success, and God has given you your spouse for a particular reason and purpose. Your spouse is a complement to all that God is calling you to do. So I hope that you will value each other, and enjoy each other on the journey as you discover together the marketplace ministry call that God has on your lives. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.